Welcome to the No Neutral Moments podcast. My name is Patrick Payton, and it's my pleasure to discuss, to explore, and maybe even to discover what it means for each one of us to live our lives fully engaged, to challenge each one of us to be fully aware, and completely expecting to engage to the fullest everything we've been designed, called, and gifted to be. So with all this in mind, let's not waste any more time. Let's go ahead and get engaged. Well, hello there, No Neutral Moments audience. It's great to be back with you. My name is Patrick Payton, your host on this No Neutral Moment journey. And I'm just going to start off from the very beginning, first of all, thanking our sponsor. Uh, Today's episode is brought to you by Lucini and Mertz Land Surveying Company, a resilient business on a mission to faithfully serve clients and to empower employees. All the while, you know, they're building lifelong relationships. I love that part about What they do with their business is centered on building relationships through the art, the science, and the process of land surveying. Lucini and Mertz has been in business since 1952. They're known for their dedication to clients and their customer service. Can't beat that. So for more information, check out the show notes to contact Bobby Burkholder and tell them that No Neutral Moments podcast sent you to see them. Well, it's great to be with you and and just going to give you a point of confession here. It's been a couple of weeks since I dropped an episode, and really the title I thought about giving you for this episode and the direction I thought about going was just, what do you do when you're empty? What do you do do when you feel like you've got nothing in the tank? And I don't know if you've felt that way lately or how you feel, but for me, just a point of... uh, transparency is I feel like I'm in this position where I just don't have much left in the tank. I've got several projects I'm working on, several different issues I'm working on, and I'm no different than all of you who are trying to wear multiple hats and do multiple things. And and you just get to this place where you think, my goodness, um, I don't want to say I'm going through the motions because I'm not going through the motions. But then again, when I say that, I sometimes think to myself, Maybe I am going through the motions, or maybe it's just the time we've gone through and the season we've gone through. You know, I sort of wonder, am I getting to this point where I'm going to have to pump the brakes like I've counseled many people before and say, you know what, I I need to just back off a little bit. So I say all that. I'm ready to, quite frankly, just sit down and, and... do something that my amazing executive assistant, uh, Mrs. Jesse Russo, told me. She said, look, you haven't done a podcast in a while to tell us what books you're reading. So why don't you do a podcast about the books you're reading? And, and again, full transparency, I have sitting in front of me one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, at least eight books I was going to tell you about. But then, no neutral moments, here we go. I'm looking through my folder. I have this folder that's called Podcast Churning, and it's just things I'm thinking about for the podcast. And, um, you know, I'm kind of just going through the tank. And and to give you a picture of my studio office, you know, I'm sitting in here. I've got a desk. i got bookcases. got a big TV in here just in case I need to be watching a football game during work or whatever that might be when the fall gets here. And in front of me, I also in my office have a whiteboard. I'm a huge whiteboard fan. I think whiteboards are the greatest invention ever. And on my whiteboard, I I go through something about every two weeks. About every two weeks, I brain dump 
I task dump, I put everything uh, on this whiteboard. And I have my customers that I put on this whiteboard. I have things related to my uh, service as mayor that I put on the whiteboard. And so I'm looking at the whiteboard and I've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight categories of major things I'm working on with probably each category a minimum or maybe an average of five to six key issues under those categories. And then I'm, so I'm looking at the whiteboard. I'm, I'm looking for some type of inspiration because I think that the book study issue, you know, you're going to get tired of that. And I open this folder of mine and I have some notes that I had written down. I think really in a season when I was trying to help some people that I walk with and kind of mentor get through um, this, you know, how you know where you're going. And I thought, wait a minute, that's a pretty significant lesson that I wrote down for someone not too long ago. And I'm going to get to that. And and I hope this is one of those no neutral moments for you that's going to help you personally. I think it can help you spiritually, and I think it can help you professionally. A bit of background before I get to the notes and why I'm there. As I've mentioned on other podcasts, I began a process back in October of 19 basically October of 1990, the piece of paper is sitting right in front of me, October 27th, 1990, when I started working my sort of life narrative that had been taught to me by a a mentor or a coach and the seven habits of highly effective people. And I would call Stephen Covey a mentor and a coach, even though I never got the chance to meet him. And so if you looked in my briefcase, I travel with it all the time. I've referred to it before. Bear with me as I sort of give you some, some context here. You would find in this folder inside of my briefcase that goes with me everywhere that I go, my governing values, and and you would go through page one, and you would see some various paragraphs that I've written, and then you would go to page the rest of page one and the rest of page two, and you would see what I call my 13 guiding values, which make up for what I call, um, make up what I would call my constitution. Another word for it is my personal filter. Uh, decisions are filtered through it, where I am. So what I do is I review this whole plan, and uh, there's more to it, but I'm not going to go into it in this episode. I review it. uh, It's fair to say now at this stage of my life, after doing this since 1990, I'll review it probably once every two months, once a quarter. I go in depth at least twice a year. But one of the key aspects of it is this issue that once you've kind of worked through the values and um, worked through what you really believe, what I think is the filter of everything, you know, I've made the comment to people, they ask me sometimes about my prayer life and how I pray for things. And I often tell people that very few items really kind of make it to the prayer list if they don't first make it through the values checklist. And I'm talking about decision-making. Like if somebody asks me to pray for them, I'm going to do that. But but if I have to make a decision, I've been doing this process for so long now, again, since October of 1990, that this filter that I've been working on for 30 years, it's, it's a checklist for whether something is going to get into my life, get into my business, get into my practice. And so... Um, But the other piece that's critically important once you kind of figure out those values is identifying. And then again, this is something that Covey talked about decades, decades ago when he wrote The Seven Habits, but you don't hear much about this in management talk. You don't hear much about it in coaching. And I think it is 
essential, and I ran across it again today in this folder that I'm going to talk to you about, and that's this issue of the roles, the roles I play in life. Uh, you, you might call it your assigned, um, I wouldn't even say it's your assigned jobs. I mean, there's really no better word for it than the word roles. So let me give you, um, I'm just going to read to you the roles that I have in the packet that I carry in my briefcase. And again, so you're going to see some opening paragraphs, then you're going to see the guiding values. And then before you get to goals or objectives or ambitions, I go through a series of identifying my goals and living up to those goals and making sure that all of my goals and ambitions, all the things I want to achieve are lined up with not only my values, but the roles I play in life. Because I don't want to get outside of those roles. And if I add something to the roles, it's going to add something significant to my life. Let me, let me try to give you some more clarity. For instance, here are the roles that I, many of them have been there for 30 years. Some have been added over the years. I'll try to tell you which ones are kind of uh, new to the, to the, to the document. The first one, and again, just you, you know my personal beliefs, most of you do, the first and most important role in my life, the role I play, the position I play, what my life is about is a follower of Jesus. And, and, and in this, this outline of mine, I put this never stops. It never takes on a lesser role in my life and it affects every other role in my life. So for me, governing role of my life, this is you could say it this way, if you wanted to say, this is who I am, this is one of the who's of who I am. The next one, family man. And, and what I mean by that is this encapsulates the following, husband, father. And then as time has gone by, that family man role also includes father-in-law, uncle, so those things as well. Early on, you know, it's just husband and then it's father. And, and then these things increase as a man of family. The next thing is a friend. I wrote, not a man defined by a multitude of acquaintances, but rather as a friend that sticks closer than a brother and having others who are like brothers to me. The reason I needed some clarification in my life to that role of friend was it helped me stay focused on the friends that are friends, the small circle. I'm going to be nice to everybody I can possibly be nice to. I'm going to try to be friends to a lot of people, but there's there's, there's this soulish friendship piece that is a role in my life. So when I'm, to put this in some broader context, when I'm thinking about where I am in my life, I'm, I'm saying, okay, am I being the friend? Am I living that role that I think is critical to the being of who I am? And, and there's several more. So let me, I'm, I'm holding this thing up. The next one is a learner, the role of learner. I believe in my life, I am in the role of a learner. And I wrote this, I am curious about many things and choose to investigate and research in order to know more so that I might do more. Uh, to know and not do is to not know. So I don't want to just know stuff. I want to know stuff and do stuff about it. But that's a role in my life. I believe that I'm to be a learner. That's a role. So when I'm doing goals and I'm doing objectives in my life, I want to make sure that I'm pursuing things in line with being a learner. Okay, So thus reading and, and studying, different things like that. I believe one of my roles is that of leader. This is how I described it. I have a leadership bias. I see the situation differently than most, and I must either engage deeply or not engage at all. There is no partiality or half-heartedness in me. Now, the reason it was written that way is because 
it's one thing to say I'm a leader and everybody's a leader because leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less. So we're all leading, but I was over time refining what it meant for be a, to be a leader so I could get comfortable in the role I was in. And, and what that meant was I found out that when any situation I got in, as you heard me read, I, I saw situations differently. I, I just can't help it. I, I, when I get into a room, when I get into a meeting, I tend to see it differently, process it differently. And, and there was a season in my life where there were some people around me who said, why do you always have to look at things so differently? And, and I was tempted to think, well, I just need to be like everybody else. But that's not my leadership bias. My leadership bias is to see situations differently than most. And then I have to make a very intentional decision to either engage something something all in or not engage at all. And because and I process situations, I see solutions, I see answers, I want to engage, but I have to back up and say, I'm either all in or I'm all out. There's no halfway. I, I'm belaboring the point here, but I think this podcast is coming to better, coming together in a way I didn't think it was. Another role, teacher communicator. I have a speaking and communicating gift or talent. It must be used to advance greater causes at nearly every lever, level in which I choose to press into. So goals, ambitions, things I choose to get involved in. I want to make sure I'm working the role of teacher and communicator. That's a part of what I am because of an ability to speak. Another role is innovator, instigator, and some of you might laugh at this one, agitator. This goes back to the leader thing. I wrote this about myself. I see things differently and I remain unsettled unless I challenge the status quo. That's the word instigator and agitator. Or if necessary, I'm just going to leave it alone because I've decided there's nothing I'm going to do about the matter. I'll keep moving on. The next one is, I believe I have a role of visionary and and. As I described it this way, it might be better described as a perceiver. I see things early. My greatest challenge in this role has been to believe what I see and act on it. I've often chosen to doubt myself or defer out of fear to others rather than boldly believing and acting on what I know that I know. Unfortunately, this role challenges surface friendships and relationships. Now, what you're seeing that I'm describing to you is owning who you are, owning your design owning your calling and your gifting. So folks, listen, you're not just going to sit down one day and just jot down your roles and it be done. You have to process through this because you're working through the creativity of who you are and who you intend to be. And so you notice the things I wrote about being a visionary wasn't just some offhanded thing about, you know, I have big dreams. This is how I envision and I have that role of being a visionary. Uh, Two more, a competitor athlete. I enjoy physical challenges just for the sake of personally winning at something that is fun and participating in things that are fun. And and these are things that I control. It has little to no bearing on anyone except my personal pleasure, growth, and achievement. And that's just me wanting to always be competing against myself and trying to be the best athlete I can possibly be at whatever age I am. And the last one, is giver philanthropist. Um, and I, I'll just tell you what I wrote. I wrote, I'm, I'm, I have more than I'm ever going to need in my life. Doesn't mean I'm some independently wealthy millionaire. It's just when you start looking at, and you've traveled like I have to other countries, you kind of see it differently. I always make sure I'm caring for those under my watch while at the same time investing in those entities and people I believe are making a difference for the greater cause of Christ and humanity. This role and passion demands that I am vigilant and disciplined in personal finances 
And so that basically is all you need to hear about that. Now, I read all that because when you kind of go through seasons like I I described early on in this podcast, where you feel like you're kind of tired, you feel like you're kind of worn out. There's a step that I was taking when I was coaching an individual and I realized the individual I was coaching was struggling with who they were, not what they believed per se in the big picture, but who they were. And, and I know you can say, well, that's kind of a belief thing as well, but they were, they were really in a season of needing to grapple with who they are, the roles they play in life. And so I made some notes and, and I want to just tell you about those because you're probably thinking about your roles and different things. And I said to this individual, and I just wrote these things down on a uh, sheet of legal pad paper, and one of the first things I said to this individual is I said, you know what, it's important that you take some time to clarify and maybe even prioritize your roles that you play in life, and then make sure you're paying attention to the prioritization of those roles. And, And so for me, if you were, there's a whole lot of me and I in this, and I apologize for that. For me, in my roles, the most important one is follower of Jesus. And and most of these are really, once you get past kind of the first uh, couple, you know, you can put them in just about any order, but not just uh, some willy-nilly. Like, I'm going to say the number one role is a follower of Jesus. And so if I feel like I'm empty and I feel like things are kind of stale, do I have that role in its right place in my life and all the things that I do? So again, understand what I'm saying here. It's the critical role. So I got to back up and I got to kind of look at the whiteboard of my life and the things I'm doing. And I got to make sure I'm investing and living out the number one most important critical role in my life and see if I've gotten out of whack in the prioritization of my roles. Because then the next thing is going to be family man. And the next thing is going to be friend. And then, you know, the next thing is going to be learner and leader and teacher and communicator and just on down the list. You want to make sure these roles and positions are in the right place. The next thing that I sort of coached through in this situation was I said, in knowing your roles, understand how they matter as a part of finding and living out your identity. So again, I'm backing up and I'm making sure that I have taken the time to clarify my identity through my roles I want to make sure I'm sticking to the game plan or is something changing? For me, I can look at my list and go, nope, um, there's nothing I'm going to add to that right now. But am I living appropriately? Am I living out these roles appropriately? Like a, a fair shot. Someone might say, well, do you not believe one of your roles is to be the mayor of the city of Midland? Well, yes, but it's not a permanent role in my life and other roles inform that office and lead how I do that. In other words, a learner, a leader, a teacher and communicator, an innovator, instigator, and agitator, a visionary. These are roles that fit into this position of mayor for a season. I'm the president and CEO of my own company. Is that a different role? Uh, No, not actually. It's a job where I live out the roles and I accomplish the things I want to accomplish through the roles, through the office of CEO and president of the Peyton Group. So knowing your roles and making sure that you're living out your identity through your roles and so forth. Next thing I said to this individual was, you might need to claim some roles you think you've lost or you were told weren't for you. So many people speak things into into our lives that they have no business speaking into our lives. 
and many of us have been guilty of believing what people say about us rather than believing what we say about ourselves. And, and if you're walking in a, uh, in a very um, religious life, you're not believing what the Lord says about you. You know, there could be someone come along and say, oh, you're not much of a communicator, but I believe in myself in that regard. And I'm going to own that. Some people may say, you know, uh, you're not a competitor or an athlete. You know how slow you are, but I want I, that's who I believe I am. You're not a very good dad or father. No, I'm not going to believe that. I'm not going to choose that. I'm going to live that role out to the best of my ability and all that I'm designed, called, and gifted to be. So you, some of you ladies out there may have been told by someone that you're never going to be the kind of mother or you're never going to be the kind of wife or never going to be the kind of professional. And so you got to step back and say, wait a minute. Have I let people put roles on me or have I avoided roles because of what people have said? And sometimes you just got to go out and claim, reclaim your role and something that was lost, you go back and, and reclaim. You know, one of the first podcasts we did was the uh, podcast on the yellow bike. And the whole story I told about that and just the quick cliff notes was how my bicycle had been stolen when I was in elementary school. It was no ordinary bicycle. I mean, this was the sweetest bicycle in my entire elementary school. I won't take the time to describe it, but let's just suffice it to say it was the coolest bike in the country at the time. And somebody stole it. And during the summer, I was going to the pool that we, my sister and I would go swimming in, obviously, in the summers. We were members of this little neighborhood pool. And I was walking home from the pool and I looked across the street and, and sitting in the yard of this kid that I went to school with that was kind of the school bully was my bike. Seriously, like my bike is sitting right there in the front yard. And I remember it like it was yesterday. I'm looking across the street at my bike and here's the question. You know what? I can go get it or I can leave it there. And I'm, I'm talking about, you know, this is the bully. And, and, I'm, and I'm thinking, am I really going to walk over there and reclaim what belongs to me? And I did. I walked over there, went to the front yard, grabbed my bike, went home. Same thing about some roles in your life. Have there been some people who have stolen roles from you that you need to go back and get? And that doesn't mean you go back up to somebody and say, you took this from me. You just got to claim it on your own. And that really ties in with the next thing that I told this individual is I said, you might have to let go of some labels you've allowed to settle in as roles. Failure. Um, no good. Um, always let people down. Um, not a very good engineer, not a very good salesperson. Um, not a very good dad, not a very good mom, not whatever, fill in the blanks, but some labels that you have allowed people to stick to you. Years ago, I preached a message on labels and, and I, um, I, I, Talk to people about how, you know, when you go to a party or you go to an event and you get those labels that you write your name on and you stick them to your jacket or your shirt or whatever. And, and the worst thing that can happen is when you go home and you forget to take those things off and then you accidentally wash the shirt with the label on it. And then all of a sudden you're, it takes you forever to get that stupid sticky stuff off your shirt. And then sometimes it even ruins it because once the label sticks and you let it get washed in, it's hard to get it out. Same thing is true about the labels that we allow people to stick to us, and then we live up to that role. We believe that's who we are, and so we start living according to that role. This is not um, name it and claim it stuff. This is not positive reinforcement. This is you saying to yourself, 
Have I been living out a role or roles in my life because someone told me that's who I was or that's what I was, and do I need to release that? Even so far as writing it down on a piece of paper, wadding it up and throw it in the trash, whatever you have to do to take that off. And again, this just comes from a season in life where you you might just need to press the pause button when things are the busiest or the craziest or the hairiest or you're the most tired And just make sure you're living in accordance with who you believe yourself to be, your design, call, and gifting that is lived out in the roles that matter. Because many times we take on roles that we probably need to just let go. Like sometimes we we become so volunteer heavy that our volunteerism is not participating, is not adding to the to the value of our roles. And so you got to go back and you got to say, wait a minute, am I involved in too many things? Because it's distracting from me being the best I can possibly be in the roles that I have. Last thing I said to this friend was I said, look, um, be prepared to make the changes you have to make to operate in your roles. Be prepared to make the changes you've got to make to operate in your roles. Most of the time, the changes we have to make to get squared up with the roles that matter in our lives are pruning decisions. In, in other words, it's rarely about adding. It's typically about subtracting. And, and, and you know, the, the higher you go in leadership, uh, the more you grow in your leadership, the fact of the matter is the more no's you have to start saying. And, and that can occur at any decade in your life. But usually it's when things are churning at a pretty high rate that you have to become sort of the master of your own fate and your roles and begin to say, you know what, I can't do that. Or better yet, I'm not going to do that and or I'm going to phase out of that. Because there's, there's, sometimes you, you just have gotten yourselves in situations and gotten yourselves in roles. For instance, I'll give you an example. A lot of times guys and ladies will, will volunteer for PTA They'll volunteer in the school. They'll volunteer to coach. And even though you could look at, like if I was going to volunteer to coach, I could go, okay, follower of Jesus, that's a role that I can be a coach in because I can influence people with the faith I believe in. Um, I can be a leader around young kids or whoever. Um, that's about it. And, and But I want to serve people. I want to help people. But then all of a sudden I've added a role into my life that I got to live up to. And so I may have to sit down at a particular season in life, and this is not where I am now, but it may be where you are, to say, you know what, I'm going to have to stop coaching, but you, you don't just walk up mid-season and quit your team. That's, 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 that's not a great move of integrity, but you may have to make a note to yourself after this season, I'm going to go ahead and phase myself out of the coaching because it's distracting from the more important roles of maybe family man or being a better teacher and communicator in my case, or being in the, in the area of innovator, instigator, agitator, or it's, it's hurting in my giving and philanthropy, whatever the case might be, you're going to have to be willing to make the pruning decisions when it comes to your roles. So I hope out of the um, very shallow depths of where I am right now, this sort of ad hoc moment of pushing back a little bit understanding the roles of your life, and then making sure you're living up to those roles. I think that this moment, I hope it will help you and it won't be a wasted moment, but it'll truly be a non-neutral moment that you can apply in your life. 
And I'm going to do one last thing here on this podcast. Because I know at the very beginning, some of you said, I want to know what those books are that you're reading. So what I thought I'd do is I'd just give you one of them, okay? I may have mentioned this in a previous podcast. I don't think I did because really this is a, uh, a, a book that I've been churning through recently. It's called The Path of Least Resistance, written by Robert Fritz, F-R-I-T-Z, Robert Fritz, The Path of Least Resistance. I'm just going to say it. This book is probably going to make it into the top five for me. Understanding the top five for me, only about the top two actually remain the top two. So the the bottom three are kind of shifting every once in a while, but that's going to be one of them. And I'll tell you what, since I'm staring at it and I can't help myself, I'm going to give you one more. This one's going to be really, really hard to find. I, I, I should take the time to tell you how this non-neutral moment occurred in my life, but I'm not going to. I was handed a book. Uh, a book was handed to me about three weeks ago, and the book was first printed. And I want to say printed because it doesn't have any any publishing rights anymore. The copy I'm holding in my hands right now as I speak to you was printed 1920. So it's a 101-year-old book. It's called The Highway to Leadership. The Highway to Leadership by Margaret Slattery, S-L-A-T-T-E-R-Y, Margaret Slattery. I'm going to tell you, it's a little bit of a faith-based book, but uh, it's a fantastic read on leadership written and published right after World War I had wound down and the United States was in an incredibly interesting position as far as leadership was concerned. Well, folks... Thank you so much for taking the time to be with me on this No Neutral Moments podcast. Love to hear from you, whether that's at Patrick at PeytonGroupLLC.com. That's P-A-Y-T-O-N, PeytonGroupLLC.com. Or if you want to shoot an email to Jesse at J-E-S-S-I, Jesse at PeytonGroupLLC.com. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, We'd love to have you join our team. We'd love to talk about your products and let you be a part of the sponsorship of this program as we quickly move towards 100 episodes and 100,000 downloads is our next goal. And so we hope you'll press into that with us. Thanks again for being with us. Remember, there's no such thing as a neutral moment. God bless and look forward to talking to you the next time.